Hi, this is Shaylin Hudson. I make candles for street for scene creations, and the price is anywhere from three to eight dollars. If you'd like to contact me about purchasing any, you could call me at 907-401-1095. You have a Facebook page? No? Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Horror After Hours on this New Year's Eve of 2021 as I get into a great slasher movie from the 1980s. I am your host, the Naughty Guy, Adam J. And I am coming to you tonight from the Naughty Guy studio. This is going to be a short episode, but I do hope that everyone has had a great Christmas and that you and your families are all safe and well as we push onward toward 2021. So let's get down to tonight's movie. This is Terror Train from 1980. This was directed by, directed by Roger Spottiswood. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but <laughs> probably butchered the name. This movie had a budget of $3.5 million and brought in $8 million at the box office. The plot is, at a college fraternity's New Year's Eve party, a reluctant Alana Maxwell is coerced into participating in a prank where she lures the shy and awkward pledge, Kenny Hampson, into a darkened room and on the promise of a sexual liaison. Well, yeah, we know how that went. However, some other students have placed a woman's corpse stolen from the university medical school during the Christmas vacation. They placed it in the bed, and Kenny is traumatized by the prank and sent to a psychiatric hospital. Three years later, the members of the same fraternities and sororities hold a New Year's Eve costume party aboard a train. The class clown Ed is disguised as Groucho Marx. Prank ringleader Doc Manley is disguised as a monk. Jackson is disguised as an alien lizard. Doc's girlfriend, Alana's best friend, Mitchie, is disguised as a witch, and Alana's boyfriend, Mo, is disguised as a bird. Also on the train are the conductor and a magician hired to entertain the crowd. Ed is murdered prior to boarding, and the killer dresses himself in Ed's Groucho Marx mask, allowing him to board the train unnoticed. As the train journeys into the wilderness, the killer wanders amongst the students, who believe him to be Ed. In the sleeper bathroom, he murders Jackson by smashing his head into a mirror. Uh, Carney finds Jackson's bloody body in the bathroom, still donning the lizard costume. When Carney returns to the scene with the breakmaster, Charlie, the killer has hidden Jackson's body and is now posing in the lizard costume. As he appears conscious, Charlie assures Carney that the uh, partygoer was merely drunk. Mitchie goes with the killer, whom she believes to be Jackson, 
to a compartment where she attempts to seduce him. As she closes her eyes, he caresses her with Jackson's severed hand before killing her. Carney subsequently finds her corpse in the compartment with her throat slashed. Alana stumbles upon the scene and Carney informs her that Mitchie is dead. During a magic show held by the magician and his female assistant, Doc finds Moe stabbed to death, though the party and onlookers assume that the scene is just a prank. Carney and Charlie stop the train as they sequester the students into one car. While doing so, two Pullman porters find the corpse of Pet, another student. Suspecting May, Kenny may be involved, Alana recalls the prank to Doc and recounts her attempt to visit Kenny at the psychiatric hospital, where she learned that Kenny may have been involved in a murder before the prank. Doc subsequently seals himself inside a room in the sleeper car where the killer is hiding, and the killer gets him. Shortly thereafter, Alana and Carney find his decapitated body. Believing the magician may be Kenny in disguise, Alana notifies Carney, who goes to lock himself inside the parlor car. There he finds the magician's female assistant, but Carney and the porters are unable to find the magician. Alana is sequestered to a locked compartment for her safety, which the masked killer infiltrates, killing the chief porter with one of the magician's prop swords before arming himself with an axe. Alana is pursued through the train, while in between cars, she manages to push the killer overboard, unaware that he has managed to hold on below. And later, after finding the magician's dead body in his sword box, Alana runs through the train car and finds Charlie in the baggage car, seated with his head resting in his hands. She tells him the magician is dead and lays her head on the table. When he grabs her by the wrists, Alana realizes it is Kenny, who is indeed the killer. Dressed in Charlie's uniform, Kenny removes the uniform cop to reveal a blonde wig, and Alana realizes he has been posing in drag as the magician's female assistant. That was supposed to be cap, not cop, sorry. Alana apologizes to Kenny about the prank, but he refuses to accept her apology and forces her to kiss him. The kiss causes Kenny to relive, relive his memories and the prank and drives him deeper into insanity. Carney rushes to the scene and beats down Kenny with a shovel, causing him to fall out the open door of the baggage car all the way to his death. His body lands on a nearly frozen river and floats away as the train roars off. Now, this movie was a lot of fun. I like this one. That was the plot. So the concept for the film was based on an idea by executive producer Daniel Grodnick, who sought to make a Halloween on a train. A full-length script for the film was composed by T.Y. Drake, and production was initiated within four months. The film was shot in Montreal between late November and late December 1979, shortly after Curtis had completed filming for Prom Night 1980. 
an independently independently produced film, Terror Train, was purchased for dis- distribution by the major studio 20th Century Fox, who had yet to release a slasher film. The studio was able to supply an expensive marketing campaign for the film that cost an estimated $5 million. It was released theatrically in the United States on October 3rd of 1980, grossing $8 million during its theatrical run. The uh, motivation for the villain and terror train, similar to other slasher films, is based on revenge. However, as a film scholar, John Kenneth Muir notes the film's central organizing principle is magic, or often the often undetectable gulf between reality and illusion. In other words, the characters live and die in terror, terror train, based in large part on how they perceive the reality or non-reality around them. Muir adds, if the would-be victims can see through the illusion, they tend to survive. If they can't do so, they die. It's as simple as that, but that makes, but this approach makes Terror Train a more complex and layered film than the average slasher picture. Producer Daniel Grodnick had the idea for the film's central narrative, which he wanted to be like Halloween on a train, which I really like this one. This is a really cool movie. Grodnick had been a friend of Halloween director John Carpenter and producer Deborah Hill, both of whom gave their blessing when he told them of his idea. Grodnick pitched the film to American producer Sandy Howard, who was totally impressed by the concept. The film was the first major motion picture directed by Roger Spottiswood, who would go on to make such films as Turner and Hooch, 1989, Air America, 1990, and Tomorrow Never Dies from 1997. Spottiswood was hired to direct the film by Sandy Howard on the condition that he also edit the film, though Ann Henderson was later brought in to do the editing. Because it was made under a Canadian tax shelter, Daniel Grodnick was appointed executive producer as he was legally unable to serve as a primary producer. There was no stage show magician in the original script, but producer Howard was a fan of magic tricks and illusions, so a magician character was written in. The magician was played by David Copperfield, now world famous. Uh, Copperfield's character becomes the suspect at one point in the movie, but it turns out to be a red herring when the real killer is revealed to be Kenny Hansen. There is some confusion about David Copperfield's character's name in the movie, and the conductor calls out to him twice as Ken. But this is when it is believed by him and the passengers that he is Kenny Hampson, the murderer. Additionally, his assistant calls out to him as Ken, but since his assistant is Kenny in disguise, this could have been an intentional misdirection. In the credits, he is simply listed as the magician. Producer Grodnick sought Jamie Lee Curtis for the lead role of Alana Maxwell based on her performance in the successful Halloween, released by or released two years prior. Curtis was also 
signed on to star in Paul Lynch's Prom Night, which she filmed in Toronto two, two, two months before production began on Terror Train. Veteran actor Ben Johnson was cast as Carney, the train conductor, whom Gradnick said was amused to have been in a horror film amongst such a young cast. The majority of the supporting cast was made of Canadian actors, including Hart Bachner, Sandy Curry, and Anthony Sherwood. The film included a number of untrained actors, including Derek McKinnon in the role of the villain, as well as illusionist David Copperfield as the magician. Also, rock singer Vanity as one of the co-ed partygoers. The sleeper train used in the film, located along a siding in uh, Sandwich, Massachusetts in 2014, was used to create the, the train for the film. The producers leased an, leased an actual Canadian Pacific Railway locomotive from the Steamtown Foundation in Bellows Falls, Vermont. The train's engine was number, renumbered from its original 1293 to 1881, and along with five passenger cars painted black with silver stripes. Afterward, the Steamtown Foundation reverted the engine back to its original number and had it restored to a historic color and lettering scheme. Production designer Glenn Bidwell crafted the interiors of the train in an Art Deco style. As of March 2020, Canadian Pacific Railway number 1293 continues to be an operative locomotive. Principal photography for Terror Train mainly took place in and around Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The shoot began on November 21st of 1979 and was completed on December 23rd of 1979. The bulk of the train's the bulk of the film's train sequences were shot first, <clears throat> while the film's opening sequence was shot on December 22nd, the penultimate day of the shoot. Uh, filming of it took place at a real fraternity house belonging to McGill University. The final day of shooting, December 23rd, consisted of a small crew completing the footage of Kenny's body plummeting from the train into the frozen river below which was shot on location in New Hampshire. The stuntman was reportedly unable to withstand the freezing temperature of the water, leading art director Guy Comtois <laughs> played the part of the dead killer instead. The interior train sequences posed numerous obstacles for the crew, Specifically, cinematographer John Elcott, who devised a unique method of lighting terror train, given the limited space and scant natural lighting of the sets. He rewired the entire train and mounted individual dimmers on the exteriors of all the carriage cars. Utilizing a variety of bulbs with different wattages and controlling them with external dimmers, Elcott could light the set in a very fast and efficient manner. At times, Elcott used medical lights, pen torches to hand light the actors' faces, as well as Christmas lights to capture some of the film's footage. Alcott used a small lens he had previously used 
while shooting Barry Lyndon. To achieve the rocking of the motion of the real train on film, a crew was appointed to push on each side of the stationary car in order for the interior sequences to appear as though they were taking place on a moving train. Taking a cue from the director, John Ford, Ben Johnson originally asked director Spottiswood to give his character Carney less dialogue and terror train. Jamie Lee Curtis also provided input in regard to her character during the filming process. The kissing sequence between her character and that of the killer was an idea that she had originated. I just thought that if she kissed him, that would bring a lot of tenderness to the scene and to the film, she recalled. The kiss was totally my idea. All during filming, I was looking for ways to make my character more interesting, but there weren't many opportunities because of the film was about the action and the killer. Canadian actor Derek McKinnon, who played the masked killer, appears in 11 scenes in Terror Train, wearing a dis different costume or masked disguise in each scene, including his real character of Kenny. There was friction between director Spottiswood and McKinnon during the shoot, which Spottiswood claimed was a result of his inexperience. He was an actor, Spottiswood recalled. He wasn't an actor. He was a transvestite from the streets of Montreal, and he wasn't familiar with the concepts of a contract and showing up for work on time. In a strange way, he did a pretty good job. He was familiar with that world of cheap theater, and it was strangely effective. The film was purchased for theatrical release in the United States by 20th Century Fox, who had recently garnered attention with the release of Star Wars 1977. The studio spent an estimated $5 million on an advertising campaign for the film, which would be their only foray into the slasher film subgenre during the, its peak years. The campaign included billboards and trade advertisements, as well as several posters. First one sheet featured the killer dressed in the Groucho Marx mask, brandishing a knife. A second one sheet emphasized the film's college youth setting, including the same image of the killer in addition to a bonfire on, and a train in the foreground. Variety deemed the film competent in a mildly uh, positive review. Roger Ebert gave the film one out of four stars writing, the classic horror films of the 1930s appealed to the intelligence of its audiences, to their sense of humor and the irony. Movies like Terror Train and all of its sordid predecessors, and its rip-offs still to come, just don't care. They are a series of sensations strung together on a plot. Any plot will do. Just don't forget the knife and the girl and the blood. However, he conceded that it's not a rock-bottom budget schlock exploitation film. He criticized the film for its lack of characterization, summarizing Terror Train, a neat name, a nothing movie. So I really enjoyed this movie. This was a very fun one for me. I mean, I grew up watching these kind of movies anyway. 
So I give Terror Trent a solid four chainsaws out of five. If you have not seen it, watch it. You may like it. If you have seen it, maybe watch it again and refresh your memory of how much fun this movie really is. But that's all I have for tonight, folks. I want to give a big shout out to all of my friends and my loyal listeners. Wherever you are, I thank you and keep listening. Stay safe out there. I hope that you have a, had a very happy Christmas and I wish everyone all the best in the coming year. Have a happy new year, everybody. Have a good night, everyone. This is Horror After Hours, signing off. Hello, this is the Naughty Guy, Adam J. Keep listening to Horror After Hours with the Naughty Guy. As my friends and I, we discuss some of our favorite movies and some of our favorite novels. Bear Crossing, Bed and Breakfast. We have a beautiful view which overlooks downtown Ketchikan. You can find us on the Airbnb app or on Facebook. You can contact us through either of these apps for any information. Skyler's Table offers cafeteria-style dining, fresh soups and salads, and paninis. And all of his meats are roasted fresh daily. If you're looking for great food, great prices, and even better company, come to Skyler's Table, a place for, visit- for visitors. Uh, podcast Swatting Flies Telling Lies. If you like a fun, crazy podcast, with loads of information that you didn't know you need, give this one a listen. Bruce's show is always a lot of fun. You never know what he's going to say next, and I'm always tuning in to find out. Next, I got Lazy Mountain Brewing Company, located in Palmer, Alaska, owned by Neil and Sarah Gotchel. They're providing quality craft beers with crisp, clean flavor. Look for crazy... I'm sorry, look for Lazy Mountain Brewing Company on Facebook. You will also find their beers all around the Anchorage area. They're just good, honest beers. That's, again, Lazy Mountain Brewing Company. Also look for my friend Danny's podcast. That's Hinterlands Media, where he discusses current topics and conspiracies. And also look for his new podcast called Hinterland Storytime. This should be a lot of fun. This is where he discusses his favorite fantasy, sci-fi novels, movies, and games. This really should be a lot of fun. Danny's a lot of fun, so give both his shows a listen. I know I will. And finally, The Naughty Guy. I finally have a Facebook page. Check it out. Give me a like and a follow to see all of my latest network. You can find my network in a few of the local stores around Ketchikan. You look for Maiden Voyage, Scanlon Gallery, and also the the Alaska Outpost. Tell them the naughty guy sent you. Thanks a lot, folks. Keep listening.